Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented small law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, from the team that brought you the Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Zach Glazer. And I'm Stephanie Everett. And this is episode 448 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, Zach talks with Joe Hodge about office and website accessibility and how to build these systems in a way that works for the visually impaired community. Today's podcast is brought to you by Clio, Posh Virtual Receptionists, and LawPay. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned and we'll tell you more about them later on. So, Zach, we have some new offerings on our website that we're really excited about and want to just shout from the rooftops and tell the community today. Absolutely. We've been working on it for for a little while, but we have put out a lawyer store where we have digital downloads. We have used some of the assets that our partner, sister company, mother company, Affinity Consulting Group already had and have adjusted them and, and put them in a way for small to medium-sized law firms to go out there and download, you know, Microsoft Teams for legal professionals, Microsoft Word for legal professionals, and a lot of other digital downloads. Yeah. And you've heard our friends from Affinity on the podcast. These people understand Word. Mm-hmm. And what really hit it for me is like, you'd be pretty alarmed if you walked into your doctor's office and your doctor didn't know how to use a stethoscope. <laughs> Right. Yes. See, glad I got that reaction from you. Yes, it'd be crazy. And yet the one instrument that most lawyers use, I get it, not everybody, but Mm -hmm. for the vast majority of us, we are using, you know, Microsoft Word every day. It is our tool. It's our stethoscope. Mm -hmm. And so many of us actually don't know how to use it. We don't know how to set up styles. We don't know how to do all the things that it is designed to do. Right. And this manual is going to be your step-by-step guide. I mean, I've used it. It's amazing. I was like, where has this been my whole life? (laughs) Honestly, it's going to be the go-to office resource for your team, in my humble opinion, because it's pretty freaking amazing. It is. And and the experts that that made it really, really know their stuff. But I kind of challenge people on this where you you get out of law school and you go, well, I've been using Microsoft Word for what feels like 100 years. Yes, but are you a power user? Are you somebody that really is able to do it quickly, really is able to to set things up? Can you answer questions that your team has about how to set up styles, how to adjust things in the uh, the notebook? Can you you do redlining well? Can you share that document? Do you know you, you have the right metadata? All of those things. Yes, you can use it. Yes, you use it every day, but do you use it well and to its fullest extent? Yeah. And how about that table of of authorities? Because I heard recently somebody was actually like typing dot, dot, Mm -hmm. dot, dot, and putting the number in. Oh, yeah. Guess what, guys? There's a way you don't have to do that. In fact, you should not do that. If you do it right, it builds. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And these are the type of, of assets that you can have on hand to help your entire team do that. Yeah. So if you want to learn more and check these out, you can go to lawyerist.com slash resources slash lawyerist.store or just go to lawyers.com in the resources tab you'll see a new drop down for the store and that's where you can find all these materials plus a whole bunch more 
And we'll definitely drop the link in the show notes here and everywhere that you see it. Well, now here is my conversation with Joe Hodge. Hi, my name is Joe Hodge. I'm a lead quality assurance analyst at the American Printing House for the Blind in Louisville, Kentucky. Joe, thanks for for being with me today. I I really appreciate you joining me. And in case people don't know, and I'm not extremely familiar, but American Printing House for the Blind is the largest kind of content creator for the blind in the United States? So they're the largest Braille producer for the blind in the United States. We also do, we have a talking book studio. We have a actual manufacturing plant where they, they actually put together the Braille books. And then we have sort of where I work in more of the technology side. So we're starting to do, in the last, I'd say probably decade, maybe two decades, we've been sort of branching out and as all things, you know, that for sighted folks, the Braille book, as far as the actual textbook, is still predominant, but you're sort of wanting to do a shift into a sort of technological, like, mm. you know, like as you guys have had the Kindle, right? So mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of leaning to how can we get that Braille textbook and trim it down and put it into a, a, a sort of electronic device. So electronic Braille, as we call it, would sort of help out, change the world. So we're, we're, mm. we're working on that Braille display for those who don't know anything about Braille or Braille displays. So imagine a Braille display has probably different pins in it. There's there's tons of moving parts. Mm-hmm. And they roughly cost around $3,000. So to to sort of make a tablet e-reader, if you will, is, a, is quite a big deal mm-hmm. and uh, has taken a long time <laughs> in the, in the <laughs> making. So that's where we are, we are today. We're actually... We have a device called the Monarch that's coming out next year that is a the first ever sort of e-tablet, if you will, that will take that textbook, the Braille textbook, and put it into someone's hands. And that's important because it takes roughly anywhere between six months to a year to actually go from you know a textbook to a Braille textbook. So to get that printing done, to get the binding done, and then back to the student's hands, it can just take some time. Okay. So yeah, we're, we're talking the speed of technology is not really kind of getting into literally getting into people's hands as quickly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that was, you already started off a educating me a <laughs> lot on, on this, but B kind of going down a path that I, I wanted to talk about here, obviously at American printing house for the blind, not only are you dealing in content that is created to be accessible, but you're on the leading edge of that of what people are doing in that content area. So I, I guess my, my question then is, when building something for people who are either totally blind or, or low vision, what are the, some of the ways that those people are interacting with content? You know, how, how do we think of producing content for people in those scenarios? So a lot of the times it's a, a focus group. So APH, where I work, is mm-hmm. very fortunate in that we have a direct... So our primary market is the education market. So we're looking right. at kids K to 12. So what a lot of times what we'll do is we'll talk to the teachers, the visually impaired. So <laughs> I did it myself. Teachers of the low vision. We're, we're sort of changing that whole thing. So it's a little, you get down a trap there, but mm-hmm. they still call them TBIs. So it's, okay. it's teachers, teachers of the visually impaired. So basically what happens is we'll, we'll meet with them and say, hey, what what is your pain points? What is it that you need? And then... We might also go out and sometimes shadow a teacher, you know, like what is their eight hour day like? What can make that better? Because obviously the better that and the the more time that they have to 
sort of FaceTime, I call it, FaceTime with each student, mm-hmm. the more that student's going to gain. So a lot of times these teachers are out there and they might have, they're traveling, right? So they have to travel from one place to another. A lot of times, like you don't often, a lot of the kids who are blind or low vision are, are not in school for the blinds anymore. They're in public schools. Uh, I went okay. to a public school. And so a lot of times we're looking at a situation where we're going out and we're saying, hey, what, what can make this teacher and then also then make this student's life better? So it could be a situation where it's a, a Braille display where it's interfacing with their iPhone or iPad. And this helps the student do their schoolwork or mm-hmm. whatever the problem might be solving. So, I mean, there's a there's a gamut of things, but that's why the Monarch actually exists, the thing I was talking about earlier. So we, we were out and one of the things that's happening is kids aren't getting their, for example, I'll take biology as an example here. Mm-hmm. They're not getting their biology book till quarter of the way through the semester. And so what's happening is that student's been so far behind and it might be their senior year, you know? So Uh it's just, it's really harming the education of folks that it shouldn't be harming at this point in time. So that's kind of what we do. We go out and look at that problem and then we try to take that back and say, how can we solve this? How can we get better? Okay. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. In a slightly roundabout way. (laughs) And I I just want to kind of keep teasing it at, at that little bit of the Monarch being a e-display, an e-reader mm-hmm. that is for, and I don't remember if we were talking about this before uh, we, we hit record or or after, but the it's an e-reader that displays in Braille. Correct. If I'm saying that right. And one of the things that you guys are able to do at APH is to take textbooks, you know, school textbooks and put them into a fashion where they can be displayed in this Monarch, in this Braille e-reader. And that gets it to people faster. That gets this information because even a textbook that's being printed takes a while to get compiled, printed, and then out into, you know, people's hands. And then we take that and put it into Braille. Like you're saying, that takes even longer to get into people's hands. And so having a tool like the Monarch or something like that, not only is helping with literal accessibility, but kind of this temporal accessibility, this ability to, to... get this information faster as well. Exactly. I'm glad you brought all this up because this is something we did talk about before that I, I wanted to mention from the top. So you, you had me in here on Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Yes. And it's one of those days that is just, it's remarkable to kind of see the world sort of think about accessibility just for mm-hmm. a day. But like, it's it's that it's that mindset, you know? So as I was mentioned to you, like, you know, Apple, Google, all the big players put out something that you know, that's happening in their company mm-hmm. for accessibility. And it's it's a fun time to kind of see, you know, when I was growing up as a kid and paying an extreme amount of money for accessible technology to kind of see this all come to fruition, I never thought I would have saw it in my lifetime, you know, as a kid, because it, right. it was so unreachable that, you know, Apple or, or Microsoft or any of these, that I could even buy a computer and just start it up and be able to, to navigate it on my own without some sort of third-party software is just, uh, it, it's pretty cool. It would be, that would be, but, but we still, even with companies like Apple, like Google, kind of putting some emphasis on accessibility, it still requires participation from the other companies that are creating content. Now, companies like Lawyerist, trying yes. to make their websites more accessible, trying to make their processes more accessible. Quite frankly, today, as we are recording this podcast on a platform called Riverside, I realized that this platform, when I hit record, doesn't have any audio that tells you that it's recording. It has a 
series of numbers that does a countdown, which is kind of neat. But I've never thought about the fact that there's no, you know, in Zoom, and sometimes it says recording started. But in this platform, it, it doesn't, at least from my side, it doesn't appear to have done that. My side either, no. So building with that in mind, like there come days where you have to think about that. And we certainly don't always. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of leads me to getting into specifically lawyer stuff. What are the things that we need to be thinking about in that area? If, if we're talking about Global Awareness Day, you know, like what, what are things that would, that would help us be more aware of that? So I think you have to start from the ground up. Mm -hmm. I was telling you before, and I don't mind sharing this with anybody out there, but like I had, this is not quite related to lawyers, but it's similar, right? So last year I had a cancer diagnosis and was going to a doctor's. And the first time I went to the doctor's office, they called my name and they said, did you bring your packet? And I said, what packet? And they said, the thing that we mailed you. And I was like, well, I'm totally blind. And they said, well, and I said to myself, I thought to myself, and I, and I actually said this to the lady, I said, um, do you have this on my chart? Because I'm like, well, maybe I missed it. You know, right, uh, my right. chart's an online thing that you can store your your health data. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh, no, we don't we don't put any of our documents on my chart. <laughs> Which I was <laughs> like, we have all this technology. So this goes to what you were saying, Zach, just a second ago. We have all this technology in place, right? But then the, the fundamentals are, are missed. So mm -hmm. I think from getting to the lawyer point of side of the people listening to this podcast side of things, I think that when you look at it, it's not just having an accessible website, it's mm -hmm. having accessible forms, it's having from that moment you do the intake to the moment that you do the sign off, that everything was, you know, to a point accessible for that person. Right. So if I'm if I'm uh, reaching out for some legal advice, and I am coming into your office, and you're on the 38th floor, and the elevators don't have any in any, in any braille on the, you know, by the buttons, I'm just, I'm just calling out like a little thing like that. Even, oh yeah. That already starts me off on a bad foot. Cause now I'm, I'm trying to figure out what floor I'm on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, guessing it, what floor am I on? And then what order are these buttons going to be in? Cause I can take an educated guess, but that's about it. Yeah, exactly. And all we can do is laugh about stuff like that. Right. So, and I'm going to get into some website stuff here in a second, but it's, it's something to think about when you are doing these, you know, the answers, I think it's always good to ask somebody. So just because, uh, and, and don't assume something, you know, because of someone's disability. So for example, mm -hmm. someone who's blind may not read Braille. I think the assumption is that all people who are blind read Braille. Right. That's not always the case. Because if you lose your vision later in life or or something, you may choose not to to learn a lot of Braille. You may know enough to like play cards or or, mm -hmm. or even get to the right elevator floor or whatever, but, but you may not know how to read a document. So I think like sometimes like asking, you know, would you like, a document to be in speech or would you like a word document maybe or something like that could be nice um, the other thing is like offering to to read through it when yeah. i sold my house i had to to go and and that's what happened i sat with a, a lawyer who read through the, the contract with me so pdfs mm -hmm. <laughs> they can be accessible but they are very they can be also very frustrating because um depending on how images and things are laid out in there it can be a stressful time so if you can the world loves PDFs. Mm -hmm. I do not. But <laughs> the great thing that has come in the last, like, I'd say five years is there are accessibility checkers. They're not 100% accurate, uh -huh. but they'll at least give you an idea of like what is going on. So like Adobe has an accessibility checker, for example. Microsoft in Office has an accessibility checker. So you can 
when you're done writing your document. So for example, one of the biggest things with images, right? Mm-hmm. So that the number one thing, and I'm sorry, I don't want to jump way ahead here, but no, it's fine. the number one thing with images is to make sure that you have alt text. So alt text is basically, mm-hmm. it's around like what we call a tweet. So it's around 150 characters of what the image is. It's the important aspect of an image. Now, I don't know how many images are in, in a lot of law documents. That may not be a big deal, but it is a bigger deal on the website. So that's where it, yeah. I, I want to mention it here, but I also will mention it again when we start talking about the web. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know that the Microsoft Word and Adobe had accessibility checkers built into them. I see some things related to accessibility in the, the documents sometimes, but I don't really dig into that. And I've never thought about the idea of, so one of the more common things that lawyers create is an engagement letter. And it's just the letter that mm-hmm. says, here's what we're planning on doing for you. And and here's kind of the edges and, and meets and bounds of what our contract is. And that happens generally with every single client. And so I could see running that type of document through an accessibility checker to say, how, how is this, is this something that everybody could approach? Exactly. Yeah. And and that, like I said, that checker isn't, it's going to get you really close, you know, mm-hmm. so it right, might not catch right. every little thing, but, but it's going to get you where I think most people using assistive technology would be able to use it. You know, I, and I, I guess that's a good question is my assumption is that if I try really hard, if I, if I do my best to, to try to make something accessible, then we're at least going to be better. So something is probably is likely better than nothing in yes. most cases, I would think. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think too, even just having a little, putting a little human into it mm-hmm. as you give somebody a document say, look, you know, I, this is my first time maybe writing a, or creating an accessible document. Or if you have a client that is blind or low vision and just say like, if you have any trouble, please reach out, but you know, let me know what you think. You know, I, I mean, I, I think even yeah. just asking for some, some assistance with that is, you know, I think it's a good thing to do. I really like that. That's kind of come up twice in here is just ask. Don't yeah. be afraid to ask, you know, even if you're, let's say on your website or in your, your engagement packet, having something indicating if you need assistance with this, if you need this displayed in a different way, if you need anything, you know, contact us. And, and obviously you have to have that indicator in, in some fashion that can be consumed by, by whoever it is that is reading that content or, or consuming that content. Exactly. So Let's take a break real quick and hear from our sponsors. And when we get back, if you don't mind, Joe, let's talk about websites and accessibility in technology accessibility for for lawyers. The Lawyers Podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists. As an attorney, do you ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call while you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting, or schedule an appointment with a client while you're elbow deep in an important case? Well, that's where Posh comes in. Posh is a team of professional, U.S.-based, live virtual receptionists who are available 24-7, 365. They answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. With Posh handling your calls, you can devote more time to billable hours and building your law firm. And the convenient Posh app puts you in total control of when your receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is always just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Even better, Posh is extending a special offer to Lawyerist listeners. Visit posh.com forward slash Lawyerist to learn more and start your free trial of Posh Live Virtual Receptionist Services. That's posh.com forward slash Lawyerist. And by Clio. What do solo and small firm lawyers with great client relationships have in common? 
They use cloud-based legal practice management software to run their law firms. This is just one finding from Clio's latest legal trends report. There's no getting around it. The fact is, when it comes to client expectations, standards are higher than ever before for lawyers. Proof is in the numbers. 88% of lawyers using cloud-based software report good relationships with clients. For firms not in the cloud, barely half can say that. That gap is significant. For more information on how cloud software creates better client relationships, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com slash trends. That's Clio, spelled C-L-I-O, dot com slash trends. And by LawPay. Did you know 80% of lawyers struggle to make their firms profitable? If you want to build a thriving practice, you need the right set of tools. LawPay, the number one legal payments processor, in my case, the leader in legal practice management software have joined forces to offer law firms a complete software solution. Access everything your firm needs to succeed all in one place. Track time, send invoices, get paid, handle accounting and three-way trust reconciliation, manage client intake, and more without switching between programs. Plus, access dozens of integrations that seamlessly sync with your current software. Over 65,000 lawyers trust LawPay and MyCase to streamline their firm's operations. In fact, users get paid 39% faster and gain three billable hours per day on average. So why wait? Learn more and schedule a demo now at lawpay.com forward slash lawyerist. That's lawpay.com forward slash lawyerist. All right, so we're back with Joe Hodge of American Printing House, and we're talking about accessibility in law firms and specifically right now, accessibility in websites. So, Joe, we've talked about broader kind of ideas, and really the, the big thing that stands out to me is ask. Like if you've got clients that are connecting with you and you need to figure out if you need to adjust your documents, something like that, feel free to ask people. But in websites, we can't really do that in an easy way. We don't know who is going to be interacting with our website. Yeah. So one of the big things is probably your websites are already built, I'm assuming. So right. the bigger companies out there, like if you guys use like WordPress or TruePal, mm-hmm. a lot of them have accessibility built in. Depends on who's on the back end of your of your CMS content management system. So it, it just, but along those lines, so if you already have a website built, you know, maybe check in if you if you are using WordPress. A lot of times they will have accessibility guidelines or accessibility details that you can kind of plug in, like okay. a lot of plugins that you can put in. So one question that we get a lot is, well, how can I test, you know, like my website to right. see if something's accessible? So the number one thing I always tell people, I, I did a search today because I was kind of curious on Global Accessibility Awareness Day, like, you know, what were the questions that people might ask? And I was surprised to see that this is number eight. But the number one thing on my list that I always tell people is to just sit down at your computer and don't use your mouse. So use your your keyboard and just tab and use arrow keys. And can you access every link on the web page? So you don't have to have a screamer going. You don't have to have any sort of magnification. Uh It literally is just as simple as just sitting there on your, your keyboard. And if you can tab through, and you can select everything, then typically it's going to be accessible because everything is laid out correctly. Mm-hmm. A lot of times what will happen is there will be things off to the side or, or it'll be like under an image or something where, mm-hmm. where if you tab, it just skips over it. It's not the correct tab order. So tab order is very important as right. you lay on a web page. And so 
if your tab key or your arrows do not let you get to it, that means a blind person or someone with low vision, more than likely with a screen reader, is not going to be able to access that. One other big thing is just structuring. So if you pass that test, mm -hmm. is getting like headings and organizing these headings in a way that it's easy for someone who's blind or low vision to understand. So you, you would have a hierarchy of headings. So with uh -huh. my screen reader, I can move from like heading level one, or I can like move to like heading level twos or threes on the page. So if you have like a, you know, few heading ones that are like super important, like sections. So you'd mm -hmm. have like, I don't know, intake, or I don't know what they would be, but I'm, uh, off the top of my head, right? But, right. but if you categorize this in a way that makes a lot of sense, it's going to be so much easier for the person that's blind or low vision to uh, navigate around the web page. Uh, and I'll stop there if you have any questions. I know, I know it's kind of threw a lot at you at one time. but <laughs> <laughs> No, that that's great. And I think that tab order specifically kind of goes outside of web pages as well. You know, if we're talking about PDFs, if you're creating a form and sending a form to somebody, you definitely want that tab order to kind of make linear sense. Yes. And you can adjust the tab order in a, in a PDF as you create a form. You can put it in numerical order. And I know it drives me nuts when I'm tabbing through something and it goes to the next page and then back up and, and all that. And definitely in your website, being able to navigate that because it would let you know where you are. I guess it would, it would probably help kind of like know what all is in the website if you're using a screen reader. Yes. And the headings are so super important to like, for example, I go to a sports website and mm -hmm. I'll just use this as a quick example. So if I'm wanting to look at the uh, scores, so like I can pick NFL as my first option, right? And then if mm -hmm. I wanted to jump to news, that could be down at like heading level two. And then once I open a news story, then it moves to heading level three, right? So then I, mm -hmm. I don't have to like move around all that I don't want to call it junk because that'll probably offend the, the content creators. But like, you know, like I don't want to, ha I don't have to like see all the stuff I don't want to see. I can get right to the, to the meat and potatoes of what I want to see. So I right. think like having that is super important. Like just that sort of structure. I've seen websites that are very messy. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and a, a sighted re uh, reader of the website is going to want to skip the junk as well, you know, and, and go to, yes. to a specific spot. So, and really when you're talking about structuring, when we're talking about organizing the website, that's good on so many levels. I think you and I were talking about this before we, we started recording of how a lot of accessibility, you know, making things accessible, I'll get to it at some point. <laughs> when you're making things accessible, it makes things accessible for everybody. It makes things more approachable anyway. And so when you're using headings, when you're organizing your, your site, it's easier to read frankly. Yeah. You know, we're just get off topic for a second. Mm -hmm. I think when a lot of people hear the word accessibility, they picture, I don't know what they picture, but it, it's not probably a, a pretty thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's sort of a, I probably shouldn't use this word, but I'm going to use it anyway, like pity, sorrow type, type of philosophy. Mm -hmm. But I think reality is, is like what you said is when you think about like a lot of the technology we have, GPS, for example, yeah. is a big one. Like I think off the top of my head, a lot of that came from GPS for the blind or low vision because, you know, sighted people didn't need GPS or it wasn't thought about that they needed GPS for a long time. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was coming around for the blind folks to teach them how to get around outdoors, you know, and a lot of hints that you get, a lot of text-to-speech through, through hints or just a lot of things have come out of accessibility. So I think accessibility is for everybody. That's the thing to think about. Like, it's not taught to us that way in like schools or as we're growing up, but mm -hmm. the older I get, the more I realize. And as folks get older, 
accessibility becomes more important for you because, right. you know, things are going to change in your life that you may have to depend on something that you didn't have to depend on before. Yeah. And that's something that I've, I've learned somewhat recently in trying to think about accessibility specifically with websites is our relationship in our lives with uh, accessibility kind of changes and it can change temporarily. It can change situationally. It can change in a, a moment. I mm-hmm. see an example on the W3's kind of like web accessibility thing where it's saying a woman holding a baby is, you know, situationally not able to use her, her arm. And so we, we yeah. want to, to make sure that we're designing for her as well. But he, yeah, even beyond that, if I make a, a website where somebody can see things better, if I'm making a website, building it for somebody that is low vision, then I'm making that website most likely better for people who aren't low vision. Yeah. So one of the things going off of sort of the, the headings is, is uh, having great descriptive links. So like, okay. like I've gone to a lot of websites where it's just like click here for, you know, like it, it, <laughs> right. and you, know, you have to kind of read through the text to see what you're clicking here for. So one of the things that, you know, is super helpful is when you have a link, make sure to, you know, let us know what it is that we're clicking on. Cause I don't want to click on an ad. Uh-huh. I mean, unless I want to, right. I mean, but yeah, I want to know if I'm going on to the intake form that I need to do or, you know, your contact info. Uh-huh. I don't want, want to just hear click here because I don't know what that exactly does. And so having distinct link names is going to be super helpful as well. Okay. So, so like click to download the white paper. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to download. Well, download what? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, I mean, you, you could get there from context clues, potentially. It also might be made so poorly that you can't. Yeah. I've seen it both ways. Because <laughs> <laughs> what happens is like, say you have the click here I'll use it as, and you have it like two or three places, like and maybe they're right in a row. If mm. you're just quickly trying to like, you know, find a link, you might click the wrong two first or you know it might just be out of order like the tab order again if it's not in the right order you don't know where you're going so having that link you know if you happen to have messed up the tab order is super nice because at least you know okay i'm clicking on this this is what's going to happen okay so what are what are some of the other things that we i know we want to start thinking about accessibility at the beginning and yes mm-hmm. people have already built their websites but we we want to start thinking about it from a structural standpoint what what are some of the other things we want to think about so Alt text is something, so photos is one of the things I mentioned kind of at the top, but, yes. but it's something I, I want to re- revisit here. And that is if you have photos on your website, you know, put alt text. Now you don't have to do every photo if it's not important. Like if it's you know, sort of a background of a background, you know, if you uh-huh. will. But if it's a, a main photo of, you know, something on your website, something that, that has prominence, like a logo even, mm-hmm. just saying logo or, or describing your logo. So I mentioned a tweet earlier. You don't want to get off in the weeds and do like a thousand word essay right. on your alt text here. But what you want to do is just do about 140 to 180 characters. I think the screen readers have a cutoff of like 150 okay. in that sort of setting. Mm-hmm. So that's where I kind of say, keep it like a tweet. So just tell me the important things. But yeah, definitely label label those images because that also makes me feel like, okay, I don't have to guess what that is or mm-hmm. I, I understand what they're... You know, if you have a picture of a car crash, maybe you have different types of services. You mm-hmm. know, maybe you, you specialize in car crashes, you specialize in burnt victims or something, I, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Mm-hmm. You could indicate that through the photos, I'm sure, on the website. And having those images would be nice to know, like, okay, this law firm has this and this service. 
Right. It would add to that like it does, like you're intending those mm -hmm. photos or, or images to do anyway. And, and I would imagine, what would a person want to know about this photo? That's what I'm thinking for the alt tag. What would yes. a person need, want or need to know about this photo in order to understand why it's here? Yeah. And just so everyone is clear, because this is not always known, and, and there's no such thing as a dumb question when it comes to accessibility, but the alt text is only visible to someone using a screen reader. So it's not like, mm -hmm. you know, if you mouse over it, or I mean, you know, like someone cited who's just visiting your website is not going to notice that alt text. So right. that is only visible to someone that the screen readers pick up on, on the tags. And so you don't have to worry about that as well. I, I do want to point that out because some people ask me, like, is that going to you know, am I going to have questions from someone who's visiting this website? You know, but but no, yeah. actually, alt text is missed by like Zach. If you're just going to a website, you're not going to see it. No, no, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, and I think that's kind of important to think about when people are skipping over alt text. Is that okay? Well, if you're skipping over the alt text and you're not putting it in there, then you're kind of being an ass to only people who are low vision <laughs> and and or blind because that's what it's there for. Yeah, but also talking about the larger companies, you know, like at Apple putting things out on Global Awareness Day and Google, usually your site will benefit from having alt tags. Google gives you better SEO points from having reasonable alt tags that actually work. So that that's, even if you want to be kind of cynical, it's still a good thing to have on your site because you benefit from it. Exactly. One of the other things I mentioned here, I was reading through my notes here just to make sure I kind of try to cover as many things as I can, mm -hmm. I know with the time we have. But one of the big things is I mentioned the tab, you know, at the top. But one of the things with the tab is, you know, if you have forms on your website, so if you take submissions of, of different forms, one thing to make sure is that you can hit that submit button without the mouse. So again, using that tab yeah. thing I talked about at the top, make sure that you go through and you're tabbing and, you know, you can get to all the edit fields. And that the edit fields are labeled correctly as well. So a lot of times, like one thing that's really annoying is when I'm filling out a form. So you can actually have that text sort of be below or above the box. Uh -huh. And so trying to figure that out with a screen reader sometimes is a little weird. Like, okay, which way is this form going? Right. So, so like trying to, if you can actually label the box themselves, or if you can just be succinct in what you're asking for. And then again, just making sure that that submit button is, does work goes a long way as well because. Nothing frustrates me more than getting 98% of the way done and then realizing, oh, I can't submit this. <laughs> I've just spent all this time putting this information in. And Zach, I, I mean, I, I'm laughing about it and it's great to be able to laugh. But it, that honestly happens so much. Like you, you wouldn't believe that that is a big problem in, in 2023 is that, you know, you could spend so much time doing all this stuff and then you get, you feel like, oh man, I'm accomplishing something. And then it's that final 2% that just, I mean, I don't know what we can say here, but it just angers me so much. <laughs> I, I, rightfully so. I, I That would yeah. fire me up too. And that's yeah. one of those things, like you said at the beginning of this, where if you go into your own website, like I, as a, an attorney listening to this right now, and they think, well, what can I do today? You go into your own website, you stop using your mouse and you use that tab button. You're going to find that. Hopefully you're going to find that and go change it. If that's how your website is, go change it right now. If you have another company running your, your website, go get them to change it. I mean, it's, it's human. It, we have to make these things accessible uh, to people. Yeah. I have two more things I just want to mention. Uh, yeah. I don't want to, you know, again, one other thing about tables. So a lot of people use tables as sort of like a layout feature of the website. So they right. kind of put it more to kind of make it look pretty. That doesn't really work all that well. Tables should be uh, used more for like data. 
you know, uh-huh. you kind of want to use tables as more of like, hey, I'm I'm indicating like data entry here, you know, that kind of thing. Like if you're using tables as more of a layout purpose, like general purpose of the website, please change that because it, it's really hard for the screen reader. They can see the table, they can see what it does, but it kind of uses tables more of uh, as a data point reference as than more than a like a layout issue, right? If that makes sense, it's kind of hard to describe. Like it in, does, like without a website looking at it. But <laughs> yeah, we, well, we, when we were you know when we were building websites in the late '90s and early 2000s, we like that was how we structurally built websites. We made them work out. We created rows, we created columns, we we used it in the tables, we did table headers, and now we have div tags and we have section tags and header tags and and all these other things that give so much more information and you're not in a cell you're in a division or you're in main or you're in footer and that gives a lot more information than row two (laughs) exactly column nine (laughs) (laughs) column nine row two you have a uh here's a clickable link that says click here Thank you. Exactly. I have no idea where I am. I'm going to leave your website and I'm going to go to a more accessible one. And uh, I will talk to that lawyer because, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about here is is accessibility means, you know, again, from a cynical standpoint, accessibility means that more people can connect with your website, can potentially become your your client. Because if I'm running into a site that is built in a way that obviously doesn't have me in mind. I'm not going to that professional. Exactly. And I think this is a great way. So the final thing I have written down here that I wanted to mention, Mm -hmm. I think I've gotten all the things off the list here, but the final one is, so there are a lot of what I call fly-by-night, make-your-website-accessible companies. So it's sort of like... I was going to ask you about this. Everything else in the world, right, is kind of like this. We all sort of have... I don't want to call them scams or schemes, but they're sort of, you know, so one thing that was happening with accessibility is if you weren't compliant, basically, there were companies out there that would actually try to sue you because mm-hmm. you weren't compliant. They didn't really have accessibility in their heart. That's right. not why they were doing it. No. They were doing it to try to make money, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's companies that have sort of combated this by saying, hey, we're going to we're going to create our accessibility checker and we're going to give screen reader users some sort of overlay. So we're not going to like make you change your website. We're going to make you, we're going to help you create an overlay to the website. There's a few of them out there. One mm-hmm. called like accessible eyes or something like that. Or, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't want to like shame anyone. But, right. <laughs> right. I, but there could be people that are really trying to do this from a, from a good standpoint. I don't know, but yeah. From, exactly. So what happens is that when you go to the website, it'll say, for example, to, for me, it would say, you know, if you're using a screener, press, you know, a key, and then you would press the key, and it would put you in this sort of overlay that kind of hmm. safeguards you around the website, which is, you know, I mean, it's okay, but here's the problem. If you have a form that's on a page that doesn't have this access, then there are times that you can actually get out of this on the same website. It's mm-hmm. very easy to trick. It's very easy to, to kind of get around now I'm back into your inaccessible website and it's a problem for me. So yeah. the thing I do want to say is like, yes, accessibility can be a little, when you first think about it, it can be challenging and it can be easy to kind of reach out to a company that says, hey, I can help you in 10 seconds be accessible. But you right. have to think about the overall usability of your clients. And I hope that you you know, sort of think about this as like, yes, it can create a accessible place, you know, to an extent, mm-hmm. but it's basically like a wall garden. I'm accessible in that, you know, pages that they do uh-huh. to an extent, but if there's forms or if there's 
that's where I've struggled a lot, to be honest, is anything I submit, it really comes to a big, a big challenge because a lot of times they don't, they don't actually mess with that. Right. And the other thing is what the screen readers are asking for is not that big of an ask, you know, right. it's, it's really not. No. And so I plead like, please don't partner with these companies. Just, you know, there are, there are people out there that, that have accessibility in heart. If you have questions, mm-hmm. you can always reach out to, I mean, even us at APH, we're, we're not really in the, in the accessibility quote unquote business at this moment, as far as like helping people make websites, mm-hmm. but it's, we're always looking at different revenue streams, you know, uh, to sort of in different ways we can get involved. Like what is it that the world needs? As I mentioned to you before about the Braille, when you were asking about how do we evaluate a product, how we, how do we get to sort of make a product? Right. We want to hear from the field. So we've heard from several teachers and stuff and several uh, organizations and I've worked with different companies like GE to sort of help make things more accessible, like with a with an oven. Mm-hmm. And so we are not out of the realm of of working with a, a place or helping a place. So if that's something that you all come together and say, this is what we need. I mean, it's something that we could definitely look at. So mm-hmm. I just hate it when when these companies sort of rise up and sort of take advantage of a situation and say something's accessible. But then it really, after usability, it really isn't, you know. Right. <laughs> or it's limited. So I, I don't mean to go on a whole tirade about that, but it, it is something that, that's happening more and more. And I see like T-Mobile. I was with T-Mobile for a while and they mm-hmm. had it. And I actually left T-Mobile because of it. Because what would happen is I would log in and I could do the things I wanted to do until it came time to pay my bill. And I would actually have to call them and pay my bill on the phone rather than do it online because they use this stupid overlay that wouldn't mm-hmm. let me do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very frustrating as a consumer, right? So yeah, that's absolutely something I wanted to ask you about specifically. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I think that's something that a lot of the lawyers that I talk to wonder about, you know, how can I literally do something, you know, to move the ball forward on my website? Because most of them have a website of some sort. They have talked to their, you know, web designers and like the lawyer has no idea really if this website is accessible and they think, Oh, well, if I can just put this overlay on it, at least it's something, you know? Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. It, I understand why they, you know, cause people are really trying to do the right thing. Right. So yeah, it, it, it all, it all kind of coincides with each other, but yeah, I mean, the biggest thing would be if you're out there and you, and you really want to take that first step, I mean, first of all, I think you need to evaluate where you are and do that first step. Just sit down at your keyboard and just try to tap through. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the first thing you can tell your web developer is, okay, we need to, we need to get our tab order in line. We need to, we need to make sure that all of our links are clickable. And I think then you're, you're starting to go down that path, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know them off the top of my head. Maybe it's something I put in the show notes or something. Uh-huh. There are a few companies that deal with like accessibility, like testing that are, that are pretty reputable. So maybe I can, I can put those in the show notes for you and send them off at the end. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's definitely put those in the show notes um, because I, I do okay. think people want to know kind of where the rubber meets the road here on, you know, how, how to go about and take the first steps. You've given some great first steps. And I think that this aligns with, you know, kind of what lawyerist always says is just kind of iterating through things. You know, we can always just continually make it better and better. And, and if it's better than yesterday, you know, at least it's it, it's going in the right direction as opposed to just sitting there and kind of wallowing in, in its inaccessibility. Exactly. Well, Joe, I, I really appreciate you being here and, and all the knowledge that you that you have. Thank you very much for sharing what you know. And thank you for helping us here. Well, thank you for having me, Zach. I appreciate uh, coming on and, and talking with you all. Absolutely. And again, we're going to put some 
links in the show notes that can help people move forward a little bit as well. Well, Joe, th- again, thank you. Um, and if, if people want to get a hold of you, um, I- is that all right? You know, email or something like that? Yeah, Zach, that, uh, email would be perfect. They can email me at jhodge, so it's H-O-D as in Delta, G as in Golf, B as in Echo, at aph.org. And I'm happy to answer any questions that you might have there or you know, just talk about accessibility or, or the Chicago Cubs, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, but yeah, I'm happy to, to answer any question, and I enjoyed being on here today. Joe, I, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your knowledge. Again, that's jhodge at aph.com. And we'll, we'll throw that in the show notes. Thank you again for being with me. Take care, Zach. You too. The Lawyerist Podcast is edited by Brittany Felix. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com forward slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com forward slash community forward slash lab to schedule a 10 minute call with our team to learn more. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.